Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people in the shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we have Australia's most prolific anti-scamming activist, Lucky Lance, back on the show to tell us more about his early life and give us an idea of why he has trouble written across his tum-tums. Interesting. Uh. And we will be looking at the issues both locally and abroad, with Americans continuing to be American while our Australian cookers are giving them a bloody good run for their money in the crazy stakes. Hot race. And this fills my heart, my Australian heart. It makes it pump purple piss, job. It does. It does. And in much sadder news, we will talk about the passing of Taylor Hawkins, which Mm. fucking sucks. And then in angry news, we'll also talk about the passing of Taylor Hawkins, because you know where this is going, yeah, right? Unfortunately, like, you know. we do. Anti-vaxxers have hijacked yet another death for their own stupid cause. Yeah. But that's enough of that. We need to do some housekeeping. Good friend of the podcast, Ash Jackson, was savagely beaten by a piece of shit in a transphobic attack near her home. And she sustained severe injuries, including a broken jaw, which requires fairly extensive surgery or has had surgery and has left her facing a long and unpleasant recovery with a fairly expensive dental bill, Joel. I imagine. Uh, We have started a GoFundMe for Ash to give us some space to recuperate. We are almost at the goal. So if you you haven't yet, please weigh in with a few dollars and the link to the GoFundMe will be in our show notes. Yes, it will. And a huge thank you to those who've donated. There's a whole bunch of you, including the absolute angels who sent her the guitar pedals she lost before the attack and the signed book. You know who you are and look well done. the response has just been so heartwarming the pedal story is like one of those like you know it's it's just a beautiful thing and just a reminder that while we scrape the bottom of the humanity barrel on this podcast there are some really good people out there it's not all dredge and wretch thanks guys mm, good stuff, really yeah. thank you and- but speaking of uh, scraping the barrel, Joel, I think it's time to get out the metal spoon and dig away, just dig and scrape away into the sticky scum that is the political fringe with this week's conditional release program, Weekly News. And to kick off our news this week, we want to start with some retractions and corrections from last week's program. In last week's episode, we mentioned a reignite Democracy Australia's shrinking support and provided some numbers to show it. Those numbers were not correct, and we need to clarify them after receiving a notice from one of the best researchers on the freedom movement. We are advised that it is probably less than the figure quoted. And uh, that was my mistake. So they're more shit and more dead in the water than we thought. Yeah, that's, that's right. I inadvertently received some information for another group and confused it with RDA. Yeah, that's The right. point we were making in our Down the Rabbit Hole section is that RDA's influence is most definitely on the wane, and this clarification merely confirms it. Yeah. The further point in the rabbit hole discussion is that the Cooker Freedom Movement has shifted from the anti-vax, anti-mandate position to a more extreme, more militant, quasi-ideology, and that too is confirmed by these Figures. And we also said that John Larter, the former paramedic and now full-time paramedic LARPA for attention, has received a letter from the ACCC telling him to mm. stop playing dress-up because he's no longer a paramedic, of course. 
The ACCC made no sense at the time. No, it, it still didn't. doesn't, but it's what it sounded like on the video. And we did say that. We talked about cautiously. We have got clarification from Celery Sorbet saying it was the ACCC, the Healthcare Complaints Commission, which makes a lot more sense than it the ACCC. It does, it does. And we're, and we're always happy to make retractions and corrections, yeah, clarifications, etc. as we go. It's important that we do that so we can give you the right information and where we get it wrong, we'll correct it. And now we move uh, to the issue of ugly voter fraud in the United States. And in 2016, Letitia Bratchett-Jones, a North Carolina resident, filled out a one-stop application believing she was able to vote even though she had served time in prison for felony assault and was out on probation. A section of the same form asked whether someone who had committed a felony had completed their probation. Now, a grand jury in 2020 indicted her for making a false affidavit regarding the fact she was on probation and also for saying she resided in a different county than the one in which she voted. This is some of the complexities about US voter registration. Now, North Carolina officials later acknowledged that the state did not have a standardised process for informing people on probation that they couldn't vote. Indeed, documents obtained by The Guardian in 2019 showed that state officials concluded Jones may have illegally voted unintentionally. Ah. But a North Carolina prosecutor still brought felony charges that could have resulted in 19 months in prison. Letitia Jones' attorney argued that the probation prohibition stemmed from a 19th century Jim Crow law designed to disenfranchise black voters, which it almost certainly did. Jones said in an interview that she eventually settled the case by entering a plea for a misdemeanor crime related to the charge that she resided in a different County than the one uh, from which he voted. I did not know what I was doing, Jones said. All I did was try to vote. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was 2016. Why does any of this matter? Well, as we reported in episode, episode 82 of the Conditional Release Program two weeks ago, information has emerged that Donald Trump's Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, has almost certainly cast a fraudulent absentee ballot in North Carolina in the 2020 presidential election, stating his address was a mobile home in Mason County, North Carolina, when he was, in fact, living in Alexandria, Virginia. We reported that it was one of the few evidence-based examples of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election, with the evidence pointing to it being committed by a loyal Trump acolyte and one who had babbled about widespread voter fraud before Mm. and after Trump was defeated. But it gets worse because on March 23rd, the Washington Post reported that Meadows' wife, Deborah, completed a one-stop voter registration and application in Mason County and received an absentee ballot for her husband, having stated that she and her husband resided in a mobile home for 30 days or more as required by North Carolina electoral law. Mm -hmm. Now, that was false. She did not live there. There is some evidence that she may have spent a few nights at the mobile home, but her husband did not, not one night. And at the top of that form is a notice that fraudulently or falsely completing this form is a class one felony. Deborah Meadows completed the voter registration form, the one-stop voter application, and a request for an absentee ballot for her husband. All forms featured the warning that deliberately providing a false or fraudulent information was a class one felony. The North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation is investigating 
Oh, that's what it does. And said only that these are early days and what information is gathered will be sent to prosecutors. What chance is there of either Meadows or his wife being subjected to the same prosecutorial process as Letitia Jones? Do we need to spell out that Ms. Jones is a black woman while Mark and Deborah Meadows obviously are not? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep you posted. But if Mr. or Mrs. Meadows, who is the executive director of the Right Women PAC, Political Action Committee, is looking at 19 months stir over this, I will eat a CRP conditional release program stubby holder live on air to our patrons. I think you should be able to probably cook it first. I think I'll be all right. I think I'll be all right. I think we'll see this just sort of deftly shuffled aside. They might get a, a, a fine or some sort of thing. Right. But yes, but there's, there's a black woman who had emerged from jail, thought she was able to vote, did so, and faced an enormous process of prosecution that she had to ultimately plead to. That's fucking ridiculous. And meanwhile, Joel, the very sad news uh, of Taylor Hawkins' death. Yeah, it has been another sad week with the passing of Taylor Hawkins, you know, drummer of Foo Fighters, if you don't know already. And generally, like, he's a great guy. He's dead at 50, and mm, it's been a bit of a theme recently with Warney dying at 52, and Senator Kimberly Kitching dead at 52 as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, of course, anti-vaxxers and cookers alike have completely broken my brain. And while my first thought about hearing Hawkins' death was that it sucked and that the Foo Fighters are going to be playing here later on in the year and I was considering it, it's yeah. awful. The second was, I'll bet the usual suspects are claiming that it's a vaccine reaction. Yeah, and, I thought oh, so. Of course they are. Of course mm. they are. Yep. Preliminary reports show Hawkins had 10 drugs in his system, which likely led to the cause of his death, which was the heart attack. I mean... Cookers straight away claim it's a conspiracy. Dave O'Neags did a Telegram post that was doing the round saying that a friend of his claimed that he was no longer on drugs, like as if that's conclusive proof that he wasn't on drugs and that it was somehow linked to the booster shot. I mean, fuck off. And it's this thing, like, you know, as opposed to the simplest explanation, which is the piss had a lot of drugs in it and that probably did his heart in. No, it has to be some elaborate cover-up every fucking time. Yeah, look, uh, it was published and I suppose this... Information is is really a, a invasive uh, on on his on his privacy and that of his family. But uh, it was published that his heart had become enlarged and it was actually twice the size and weight, uh, what you would expect to see at the heart of a man of that age. Jesus. So his heart was really, you know, and, and that probably comes down to uh, years of drug abuse. Yeah, yeah, it makes a bit of sense. Or the death jab, of course. Fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. So once again, we lose a public figure dear to our hearts. Yes. My auntie is in mourning. It's just so frustrating to watch these pieces of shit jump on it to make this non-existent point and just keep their stupid fucking dopey cult going. Like, you said the co-vaccines were going to kill us all, they haven't, and now you feel a bit silly, so now everything is vaccine-related. Yeah. So, Q-adjacent accounts on Telegram are also suggesting that Dave Grohl sacrificed Hawkins in ritual slaughter. Oh, God. The proof of this theory, you know, the proof of this theory is in these messages in this recently released B-grade horror film they made called Studio 666, and it's got a fucking kick-ass metal soundtrack, and it's just another reason to be sad that Hawkins is gone. Of course, this is just satanic panic bullshit, but people are buying it. That is the most annoying thing. Some people, yeah. It's so fucking frustrating, though, because this thing, it's so so easy to forget how much religious extremism underpins the modern anti-vax movement. It's all through it. First, it's the jab. Then it's Dave Grohl sacrificed him. And there's mm. always got to be some elaborate fucking conspiracy. They're just bored idiots. How awful to those people in genuine grief, you know? How, oh, totally. how awful to, to people like Dave Grohl and his family and Hawkins' family and, the, you know, and the entire sort of entourage around 
around oh, it's fucked. It's just awful. Like any stop celebrity it. death needs to now be justified a million ways to stop conspiracy theorists saying it was this, that, or the other thing, that they were a pedo or they got vaccinated too much or some bullshit. I mean, look, I will say this isn't unique to anti-vax in the pandemic. It does feel like it, but this was something that happened back when Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell died. They were apparently killed by the deep state Mm. because they were involved in a film about human trafficking and they knew too much. Of course they did. Like, that's just so fucking dumb. I think they were meant to be writing a song for the intro of Come on, guys. So this isn't new. Every time it happens, it just makes you hate these people more and more. It does. Because, like, why are you like this? Why does everything have to be about you? People die. But sometimes it is funny. And while it is far too soon to laugh about Shane Warne's death, we're all still kind of a bit shook by it. That idiot Elvis Sinovich, the UAP candidate for Blacksland, posted on Twitter a video of Blair Cottrell Famous Nazi. Famous Nazi. Infamous. Infamous, yes. Claiming that Warren died from a vaccine reaction and was in Thailand trying to detox from the jab. That is such horse shit. Yeah, it he was out terrible. there shedding Blair weight Cottrell, you are pissed. a fucking liar. I mean, he, he, I don't even think Cottrell's anti-vax. He's just throwing no, his, hat, he, his Nazi hat into the ring. Yeah, he's basically using it to groom people for sure. But, like, who knows? He's just a fucking idiot. It wouldn't surprise me if he was the anti-vaxxer, let's face it. One thing that was also funny in the, in the tweet is that he said soon instead of son, which is pretty funny because Elvis has, unfortunately, been punched in the head a lot of times. <laughs> I, I read somewhere that maybe he holds like a record of being punched in the head. Really? In the UFC, yeah. Some record, yeah. In, in, Some uh, record. in his division. Pretty impressive. So, look, the story has actually caught on. And like all this information, it just spreads like wildfire and people are parroting this all over the place. And either feigning ignorance to who Cottrell is and, you know, like as we said, he's a fucking huge Nazi. Like he's pretty well, well known. Well known. Infamous Nazi. But- the crazy thing is, is that even when people know about it or when they get like they find out about it, they double down and they just think, oh, well, you know, he's got a point. Huh. Mate. The Nazi's you, making a point. Yeah. If you agree with Nazis, reflect. You need to go <laughs> sit in the corner and reflect. Just take a yeah. moment, breathe deeply and think about Nazis. where your life is going. Why am I agreeing with Nazis? Why am I agreeing with Nazis? I wonder where. Wonder if there's anything behind this. So, look, we've said for ages, and it wasn't hard to imagine, this isn't like fucking, you know, crystal ball material. All deaths from here we did. Mm. are going to be from the jab. That yeah. is every fucking death that catches the headline, they're going to co-opt it to give their cause more attention. Cook has spent the entire pandemic highlighting how heart disease was the number one killer and thus our reaction to COVID-19 was completely ridiculous compared to, let's say, a campaign to lower rates of obesity to, co- to prevent this real killer, heart attacks. Yeah. And now, apparently heart disease never existed before the jab. But no. look, consistency has never been their thing. So, you know, who's surprised, really? Yeah, what it boils down to is this is just a, the death throes of a dying movement. The pandemic afforded them the opportunity to truly build their ranks and create a solid grift. But at the end of the day, people aren't actually dying en masse from the jab, and it's getting more and more absurd to suggest this as time goes on. Yep. And in the meantime, they're going to be huge cunts about things we hold dear. And unless it's very funny, I'm actually looking to ignore their screams for attention because, honestly, the Warney stuff, the Kitching stuff, the Hawkins stuff. Awful, awful people. We've made our point. I don't like it. 
they're just going to say the same shit. So yep. when there's another celebrity death, just imagine that anti-vaxxers are making- We're blanking it. We're blanking thing. it. Because, yeah. yeah, it's. I don't want to give this shit any more oxygen. We're blanking all the, mis- the, the misinformation around it. They can get fucked. And speaking of misinformation, now it's time to look at Hunter Biden, the crackhead son of the 46th POTUS who was too drug-fucked to pick up his laptop from the repair shop. Hunter is now, according to the Russians, the man behind US-funded- Bio labs, Bio labs in Ukraine. And that nonsense has found its way into mainstream media, or at mm-hmm. least has been given a run on Tucker Carlson's program, who was just asking questions, you know, just putting it out there. Yeah. But we need to go back a step or two because what we were told by mainstream media and a large collective of US security folk way back in October 2020, in the heat of a presidential campaign, was that the contents of Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation, and thus the story was not pursued by almost everyone in the MSM, mainstream media. Mm -hmm. More than 50 former senior CIA spooks, DOJ officials and FBI agents came forward to denounce the story, which tells us that these 50-odd people were determined not to see Trump re-elected, which is interesting in itself, you know. <laughs> they, they thought, well, we'll keep, we'll keep this away. <laughs> the story goes that Crackhead Hunter parked his Apple Mac at a repair store in Baltimore and left it there. The repairman, who was legally blind, just to add some <laughs> mystique to this story anyway, <laughs> contacted the FBI, who took some interest in it, made a copy of the hard drive, and then went away, never to return. Long story short, copies of the hard drive then found their way into the New York Post, who did run the story but found themselves cast out of social media, including Twitter, for their trouble. The New York Post and several journalists from the Post were banned for tw- from Twitter for a period of time. And on, on 14 October 2020, Twitter said that the stories violated its hacked materials policy and that the social network was limiting the article spread due to questions about, and I quote, the origins of the materials included in the article. The ban was lifted six days later. That's a pretty big thing, you know. New York Post is a, um, is, is a, is a tabloid sort of Daily Telegraph version available to New Yorkers. So they've actually cut the, the paper's right to tweet or, or, or their ability to tweet out for, for a week, you know, which is Pretty amazing. But anyway, but it transpires that the contents of the hunt, of Hunter's laptop were genuine. And not just that, but it appears the New York Times, arguably the most prestigious newspaper in the US. Not the Post. Not the Post. No. The New York Times also had a copy of Hunter's hard drive and chose not to cover the story two weeks out from the US election. Not only did the hard drive include photos of Hunter doing what he does best, taking drugs and having sex with prostitutes. I've seen them. <laughs> but there were emails where he was communicating with Ukrainian businesses that may see him prosecuted for acting on behalf of a foreign nation without registering in breach of the Pfizer Act. There are emails from Hunter where he refers to the big guy, which is obviously his father, Joe, when Joe was Veep, uh, that may have involved Joe receiving bribes from foreign interests or simply might have been Hunter blowing his own bags about his influence. We don't know. He's a dipshit. I think it's probably the latter, but we don't know. The point is that this was a story and it just wasn't covered. But clearly this should have been the subject of objective reporting from anyone in the receipt of the goods, including the New York Times. And at a time when the MSM is under attack from almost every quarter, the New York Times conduct was poor at best and suggests its editors were in the business of partisan reporting. Worse, that deliberate choice from the New York Times now provides the basis for stretching the truth further by the Russians and every conspiracist anywhere from local 
cookers to cure line grifters. When you veer from the objective, from the rational and from the very business of investigative journalism, you give these clowns ammunition. Yep. And that's why Russia's crazy propaganda is finding comfort and sucker in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And last week, the conditional release program debunked the Ukraine bio lab story, coming straight as it did from the Russian propaganda machine. Well, we didn't debunk it. We relied on a team of scientists led by Soviet-born Swedish resident Dr. Olga Peterson, a geneticist, to debunk it. We're only interested in the truth and taking the piss out of the corrupt, the cooked, and the criminal along the way. That's right. Fuck disinformation and fuck the New York Times for pouring oil on the disinformation fire. Also, Twitter could get in the bin for falling for it. Totally agree. And it's one of those things where you just got to be objective to these things. Even if the idea yep. of Trump being re-elected was absolutely horrifying... I mean, the truth is truth, man. What can I, we do? Get, I get where the security guys were coming from. I honestly do. They were saying, look, we just don't want Trump to be. So we're just going to call it Russian Russian That's fair. That they is kind fair, of lied, but-, but you understand the motives of the lie. It's not, you know, and, and I guess the sort of roles that they're in is okay to lie, but it's not okay for the New York Times. Yeah, I don't think it's the place for the media to do white lies. To just ignore a story, which basically did impact could have impacted on the on the on the results. You know? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it's it it really erodes erodes trust in the media. You you gotta let the you gotta let the chips fall where they may. That's right, that's right. Well, on a more local level, we have yeah. seen more chaos in Canberra. Oh, more cookers doing their thing, yelling at buildings, and generally oh, being that. pests. Now. Yep. One thing they've decided recently is that they really hate buses. Ooh. I I guess buses are a form of socialism, but it's just a weird fight to pick. Oh, you know what? I hate fucking buses. Yeah. So in one altercation, they tried to block a bus passing through an intersection. <laughs> this. This, this is very great. funny. And it's like it's such a great way to get support from locals. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just going to stop you from going where you want to go on, on public transport. <laughs> one fuckwit standing in front of the bus yelling, you will stop, and putting no, his no. like arm out. He's Gandalf. Hey, yeah, it's not fucking Lord of the Rings, mate. No You're not further. A- you will <laughs> receive no You will not. You shall not pass. You shall not pass. Like, yeah. It's just fuck you. Like, But you're not a hero. You're no. a dickhead who's trying to prevent a bus full of people yeah. getting on with their day. Where's yeah. their freedom? What the fuck? You're, you're a 90-kilogram man standing in front of a 10-ton bus, and you're not going to win. No. You are not going to win. No, if there was any justice in the world, they would have just gone straight over in Tiananmen Square style, but what can you do? Um, no. So another no, no, instance no. of bus <laughs> no, no, on. No. Tank, tank man. Tank man knew what he was doing. Tank man was a hero. Tank man was an absolute tank hero. Tank man is a hero, but, um, but, but bus cooker. This is not tank man. This is, yeah. This is Bus, bus Cooker. Cooker is, 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 is not Tank Man. He's a fucking idiot. Another instance of bus on Cooker crime was when some cars sustained some serious body damage after being parked illegally and sideswiped by a bus. <laughs> That's why they hate buses. Damn you, Shouldn't buses! have parked there. Shouldn't have parked there. So some of these cars that are being held together with gaffer tape, I'm not going to name <laughs> names, but a few of them are quite prominent. And the vendetta against buses has only got worse. This... This amped it up. I mean, those fucking buses. Damn those buses! They're the fucking worst. Like, I mean, parked illegally, that's not even a thing because the law doesn't apply to these people. They're protesting. They can park wherever they like. We established this weeks ago. We have established this. So someone also attempted to enter a bus and take the keys. I don't know the full story (laughs) of that, but I just don't think that's a good idea. I heard heard it in passing, and it's like, don't do that. But the thing is, these are weird, angry, violent people who hate buses. So what are you going to do? You're going to attack buses. Steal the keys. <laughs> Steal the keys. Head, headbutt the panel work. You know. oh, I mean, anything, just, anything. Just 
bring these buses down. It's just absolutely bizarre. So, of course, these guys, they stand for freedom, but we're making an exemption for buses and the people on them. Fuck buses and the passengers, but everyone else gets freedom. So, yeah. another time, a Transport Canberra official came to tell them that so they were parked true. illegally in a bus zone, which they replied with, this is a protest. This is a protest. We've already established this. This We've is a protest. You can park wherever you like. You can, can do, do, do whatever you want. And this is basically the human equivalent of just putting your hazard lights on. I can do anything now. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna yeah. hang here. I'm just gonna yeah. do some backflips. We're, we're on a protest here. Got my hazard lights on. Don't worry about it, mate. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this, and I feel like I shouldn't have to pencil it out. The implied freedom of political communication in the Constitution does not extend to parking your car wherever oh, you want. Really? I know. They say they think otherwise. Crazy, and you should see how they fucking carry on with climate protesters do it. So look, things only got worse when the transport camera guy, bless him, called them plague rats. Yes, that, that was very funny. It's about a two-minute video. Why that- are you wearing a mask, mate? He goes, because I don't want, I don't want to breathe the air. You plague rats. Yeah. And and it was like, Ugh! yeah, they didn't like that. They hate they being do, humiliated. They don't like being called plague rats. So at Cam Barron has a video of this on their Twitter. If you want to watch the footage, because it's pretty funny. Yes, we're not going to we're not going to rip the audio or anything like that. Fuck that. But as per usual, the cracks are forming in the movement. Oh, this crack is Uh-oh. formed, but it's getting wider, more interesting and funnier because like, there were always plans for a big rally on budget day, which is actually today because we recorded late, as some of you would be well aware, on the Tuesday. And to have a few speakers turn up from the parliament to enjoy their last moments of relevance before just being asked out of their seats and spots. But this rally has the stink of Uncle Clive. He was doing a, a stunt today with some dollar, $100 bills. I don't know what's going on. And this is going to feature the moderates. You know, like Hoodie and Lata, much more than Bozy and Guru. So what does Bozy yeah. do when he's out of the spotlight? He tells people not to go. Why? Because apparently black shirts what? are going to attend and cause problems. What? Bozy... What the fuck is a black shirt? Jesus Christ, Bozy. What White hats, black shirts. In what? this weird and wonderful world you've made up, everyone good wears white oh. and everyone bad wears black. Well, to be fair, Joel, it does, it does make things very easy. It does make things very easy, doesn't you know, it? You can actually pick them out. Oh, there's the black ones over there. Oh, there's the white ones over there. So convenient. He's, all, he's also a bit of a racist too. Yes, he, <laughs> he, does, he doesn't like the blacks, as he likes to call them, the fucking idiot. Yeah. But I just... I, it's just baffles me to think people take this guy seriously who will stand there and say like complete nonsense like that the black shirts are coming you fucking moron of course what he's trying to do is he's trying to sabotage the Fapton and Johnny Larpa by saying Antifa out there punching on and causing trouble and he said this before and he's been wrong but the thing with Bozy's followers and this is so convenient for him because he's just such a pathological fucking liar they have the memory of a goldfish he lies to them they forget and they come back and just want to talk about pedophiles again. Like, it's just crazy how much these people just don't remember these failed prophecies. You're going to have to pick you up there, Joel. Uh, actually, goldfish, uh, that's uh, no memory. That's that's actually myth. Uh, I would say goldfish have better functioning memories than Bozy followers. Oh, there you just go. Yep. Well, maybe they can yell pedophile buildings too. <laughs> Only if you feed them first. So Hoodie addressed this in a very funny video that really summed the whole thing up. He whined about Bozy telling people not to turn up because he loves a crowd. And then he explains mm. how Bozy believes there's a military base under Lake Burley Griffith, which is apparently a thing. But Hoodie doesn't know because he, he, sure. yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he doesn't know for sure. Yeah, he doesn't know for sure. He has to see it. So unless Hoodie has seen it, it just might not be real. It might not be real. That's, that's the benchmark for reality. Has Hoodie seen it? Yes. Real. No. <laughs> Questionable. Yeah, yeah. But of course, as for the list of pedophiles, well, 
You see, he didn't mind so much when Bose and his followers baselessly accused public figures of being pedophiles. But now he's on the list. Oh, no. So now, hoodie, on the list, list can't be true. Yeah. Can't be true. That's the way it is. See, this is basically the concept of object permanence where a child initially only comprehends the world in front of them. When something is out of sight and out of reach, it no longer exists to them. Woody hasn't quite got past this stage developmentally and still believes the only things he can see and touch are real. So when it comes to pedo lists, despite his browser history being full of teen porn as a search term, and he insists this is totally different than actual teenagers, I mean, look, if it's not in front of him, he can't clarify it. But once he's on the list, oh, Um, that list can't be true. It only ever fucking matters to these people (laughs) when it directly impacts them. This frustrates me so much. Otherwise, it's not an issue. You could hang people on the street, but once they start putting the rope out for you, oh, well, that's where I draw the line. They're so fucking selfish. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably draw the line a little bit higher than that. You know, <laughs> but, but, yeah, look, to round out the Cougar Roundup, we have an arrest and a protest of an Indigenous man named River Williams. River had an outstanding warrant from a previous protest and was arrested by, well, the ACT police. This isn't funny. The Cougars have concerns that he may have seizures in custody due to some kind of acquired e- epilepsy, and that's not funny. No, that's not funny. But what is funny is the bullshit the Cougars came up with around the arrest <laughs> and the wild hypocrisy they've shown in the face of a black man in custody after spending two years shitting on Black Lives Matter. Oh, they did so do that. Mm. Magically now Black Lives Matter? Well, this oh, one. Yeah, this it's going to be Sovereign Lives Matter because they just have to be like a little bit special. But the thing is, right, seriously, maybe this is a learning moment for these people. Maybe it's a teaching moment for these people. Maybe you can stop with this weird, angry opposition to what is actually maybe you've realized is quite a reasonable cause. Uh, so... In a Facebook post regarding the arrest, the Sovsit terms came out thick and fast. So they claim that River Gujigan Williams is a tribal man. He is mm-hmm. not recognised in their illegitimate constitution and not. taking him is a war crime. Ooh. War crime. Yeah. Big words. Big Makes words. no sense. Yeah. No basis. Dumb. Dumb as fuck. They also claim that L-rads were used on elders outside the police station, but I don't... Yeah. I don't remember hearing yeah. them. I, don't I think it was more of the that. microwave thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, just, you know. Oh, but there's a Telstra Tower over there. That's an LRAD, right? For <laughs> fuck's sake. So, as usual, they flooded the police line with welfare checks, making the phones go out. So, police station has to stop taking calls because, I mean, they're the only people that matters. It's just so productive. Yeah. Great work, yeah, as not, usual. But once again, not panning out. All about that. A lot of sense. Yeah, outside the court building where River was facing the magistrate, a protest group formed doing their usual annoying bullshit at the doors. Due to the sensitive nature of the court building and the people coming in and out, police requested that they give some space for victims of crime coming in and out who may find the scene outside confronting. Because it would be, right? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, reason prevailed and the group moved to the side to peacefully protest out of the way of any potentially sensitive people because they understand... No, 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 no. No, they didn't. No. They started yelling that they were the victims. They were the victims. So no other victims matter. Only they matter because they're the victims. And then a few people who weren't really victims, who, like, let's face it, middle-class white guys, they started saying how that Indigenous people were the victims of hundreds of years of abuse where they're just hovering over the target, but that means they have every right to be there and just cause problems for people who are going through a fucking traumatic event, which is, you know, confronting... A law court, which can be seriously fucking traumatic for some people. Yeah, indeed. And look, we always Fuck. said that the numbers would dwindle and that it would be a small core of idiots left who would be selfish, violent and awful to everyone that had the misfortune of crossing their paths. And that came true, but I had no 
fucking idea they would just occupy Canberra and punish the capital for no fucking good reason. Just no good reason. No good reason. So, look, we aren't really covering cookers in detail at the moment. We could do hours on this shit. It's the elephant in the room, and we need to cover yeah, it because, you know, we do. Like, this, it's our podcast, fair enough. But the amount of drama going on this crew is just endless. It's hours of coverage each week, trawling through videos of people giving each other shit. I don't even know half the names anymore. Some of the really, really brilliant freedom movement researchers, <laughs> start a podcast, please. The thing is, they occasionally <laughs> do something really funny. And for the most part, it's just childish infighting and clout chasing. For example, the budget, we'll cover that next episode because it's going to be absolutely fucked. But for the most part, I'm not getting too involved. We're also not mentioning too many names and too many specifics. And the reason why is because fuck them. They want attention. I don't really want to give it to them, Mm. but I'm keeping an eye out for funny stuff because while these annoying parasites should be generally ignored, they are also quite funny. Occasionally. 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 I'll do anything for you. Money. Just tell me what you want me to do. And the conditional release program is proudly brought to you today by electoral fraud, or as we at the conditional release program prefer to call it, dynamic democracy. <laughs> Who said the dead can't vote, listeners? Who are you to say that dead people lose their political affiliations once they cross the Rubicon and join the choir invisible? Maybe Jesus, but no one else. Not on this mortal coil. Listeners, if you've had a beloved relative who's on the current electoral roll but has shuffled off, mask defiantly into the polling booth and demand a vote on their behalf. I mean, take a look at Philip Ruddock. He's been dead for years and he still votes. And don't forget, voting for the dead will help with the grieving process. Granddad oh. may have been a closet fascist and, and an out and proud racist, so why not create some balance by casting a vote in his name for the Australian Greens or the Socialist Alliance to supercharge Australian democracy, previously democracy in name only, that discriminated against the clinically dead. So at the forthcoming Australian election, vote early, vote often. The dead shall rise and vote for the hemp party. Maybe they just forgot they were dead. <laughs> I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all, within... As the damned horse sense of child prodigy, intellectual giant, and in news just a hand, recently announced as Australia's nominee for the Nobel Prize in kickboxing with nunchucks, <laughs> Thanos Paniades, and that sound collides into the tympanic cavity of our shell likes. It means it's time for which Black Bill Fuckwit said that. The quiz show that's recorded in a building, which means it might just be filled with pedophiles. It's possible. Anything's possible. You know how it works. And, Joel, if you're so successful in today's which black pill fuckwit said that, you'll be tragically murdered, leaving me to vote on your behalf. Ooh. I think it's time we gave Scotty Morrison one more try and see if he can't get it right <laughs> this time, Joel. Just saying. 34% of Australians can't be wrong, after all. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Ah, we're giving one more try. Uh, uh, okay, here's uh, the very first quote, and this is provided by Elise. Thank you very much, Elise. It was wonderful, and <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, <laughs> so this is the quote. Remember when we treated the flu with tea, soup and saltines instead of communism? Fuck off. That <laughs> I can't mean, be you real. You had COVID, Joel. 
Did you ever feel like, not a saltine, that's an American thing, did you ever feel like just chowing down on a salada with your sore throat? No, <laughs> you think, I didn't. This is going to be great. I'll just have a, I'll just have some saladas, maybe a sayo, and then follow it up with some clicks and jats. I would rather have drunk Ooh, liquid glass. You're like fucking sandblasting what? your throat. Fuck with anyway. Anyway, that's a quote. Remember when we treated the flu with tea, soup, and saltines instead of communism? Full disclosure: I did treat my COVID with communism. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing. Communism can really improve COVID. It worked. Uh, okay, was it unslapped as a child? Chet Hanks. Oh, could be unslapped and not invited to the Academy Awards. Kevin Sorbo. Probably was it unslapped and not invited to the Academy Awards. Matthew McConaughey. No. Or was it unslapped and not invited to the Academy Awards, Rob Schneider? Could be. It's a 50-50. I'm going Sorbo. Well done. Yes. well done. That is outstanding work. Yes. Hercules is a I was fucking idiot. Say, I was going to have a little bit of a preamble about Will Smith's ugly behaviour going out and biffing a, biffing a much smaller man who completely wasn't aware that he was going to be biffed and therefore couldn't really defend himself. Uh, but you just got ahead of it and just uh, referred to Kevin Sorbo, who was not at the Academy Awards, and remains unslapped, which is a disgrace. It is a disgrace. And also, just for the record, Will Smith and Chris Rock, it was staged. The entire slapping was staged, and it was a distraction <laughs> from Hunter Biden's lawsuit. It was yeah. a distraction from, I can't go into this in less than 500 words, so I'm not going to, but let's just say pedo wood came up a lot. Yeah. And yeah. it's also a distraction against the 5 million people that will be in Canberra today. Uh, it's a distraction against the freedom movement. So, yep, that's that's how that happened. Well, well done, Joel. You're well on the way to be murdered. Welcome. Um, Give so, it a shot. quote two, I'll stand on the side of Russia right now. Okay. Was that election truther? Not that election, but this one where I didn't get what I want, Joe Altman. Was it Russia is that small continent in Africa, isn't it, Candace Owens? <laughs> Was it observer of Australian tyranny that is worse than the virus all the way from Texas, Alex Jones? Or was it Putin's man in Australia, if Putin knew who he was, Simeon Boykoff? I reckon it's the final stage of Candace Owens' transformation into a full fascist. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, really? No, it was actually Joe Altman. <laughs> yes, and and for and for listeners who don't know who Joe is, he's just one of these annoying sort of quasi media types who uh, become massive election truthers. Uh, and uh, and also, <laughs> they're going all in for autocrats. They think democracy has been perverted, so we're going we're going to barrack for some autocrats. <laughs> You want election fraud? You guys didn't do enough of it. I think we need to do more of it. So well, I'm standing these, in Russia. All of these, Boykoff, Jones, Owens, and Altman, they're all pro-Russia. Amazing. So, yeah. Just so amazing. there you go. What a bunch oh, of Look, guys. I just have to repeat it. You know, in the good old days, we'd have internment camps for these people. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I shouldn't say that. No. All right. Uh, three. Well, it looks like you'll go unmurdered, but you'll have to march into a <laughs> march into a polling booth and vote for Scott Morrison. I tell you, if I get this one, you can knock me out and you can vote on my behalf. It's not hard. <laughs> they don't really check. They don't really check. Have you voted today? Have you voted already today? And you just go, oh no, God no. no. Well, no, we do no. that. 
No, we'll God do forbid. That. I've actually voted 18 times. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want to coach that. Anyway. Too many sausage sandwiches. Quote three. That's right. You'll just be bloated from the democracy sandwiches. You know, it's just a quote. You know, if you're involved in election fraud, then you deserve to hang. Oh, wow. A bit much. Sometimes the old ways are the best ways. Oof. I was accused of endorsing violence. Oh, I wonder why. I'm not endorsing violence. Okay. I'm saying once you put your hand on a hot stove, you get burned. That's be that burned. Is fucked. Uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing this quote to my attention. Now I hate whoever said it. Oh, well, let me give you the possibles. Was it Speaker at the 2022 America First PAC, PAC, where he called for Anthony Fauci to be hanged and Georgia Republican State Congressman and a Georgia Re- Republican State cr- Congressman who he said should be executed by the electric chair? You know, it's just like methods of execution. Well, let's just <laughs> pick and choose. Uh, and he actually earned a rebuke from Nick Fuentes for his trouble, which is, you know, <laughs> really, nature's way of saying you've gone too far, and that was, in fact, the, the Stu Peters. Oh, he's a cunt. He loves Maria Z, and I don't know why. Well, yeah. she says what he wants to hear because she's a fucking massive liar, but yeah. Or was it the man with a serious hanging policy, but sadly no registered political party, so he can't campaign on it, even though it would go down a treat with the punters? Ricardo Bozzi. Mm. Or was it censured by the House of Representatives, the US House of Representatives, and stripped of committee assignments for posting an edited clip of attack on, on Titans, depicting him killing a Titan with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's face? AZ Republican Congressman Paul Gozar. That's He's Arizona Congressman Paul Gozar. Or was it self-declared election conspiracist speaking in a Colorado church because you know Jesus loves a good hanging, <laughs> but a crucifixion will stir up bad memories? Sean Smith. I'm going to go with Stu Peters because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, you look your ears. He is, and you're absolutely right about that, but unfortunately you're wrong. It was Sean Smith, a little-known self-declared election conspiracist, and he's talking in this fashion. You know, if you're involved in election fraud, then you deserve to hang. Sometimes the old ways are the best ways. I was accused of endorsing violence. I'm not endorsing violence. I'm saying once you put your hand on a hot stove, you get burned. Especially if I grab your hand and put it on a hot stove. He says this in a church. Jesus. <laughs> just come on, guys. Don't do that. It's just, yeah, it's gone way out of control. Too much. Now, we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bill Fuckwits. We want your input, listeners, if you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us our line. We'll send you a stubby holder and some assorted TCRP tatter if you make our lives easier and send Jack a quote we can use on the show. And we remind listeners the condition release program stubby holder is the only stubby holder clinically proven to keep drinks cold. Clinically proven. Um, but we do caution listeners that the conditional release program stubby holder might, in fact, be a pedophile. We're not sure. And the conditional release program stubby holder has not been charged with any offences. Allegedly, allegedly. But it lives in a building. Yeah. And that may, in fact, make it a pedophile. It's Keep your hands off our kids, you stinking stubby holder. Building dweller. Now we ask listeners to drop us a line if they want to contribute to which black the fuck would said that. Mark the attention of Jack at our email address, the conditional release program at gmail.com. And now we bring you a segment featuring people who believe everything they read on the internet, which isn't much because they're stuck in sovsit chat rooms. They're sovsits and they're on a collision course with reality and a concept totally bizarre to them. Consequence in this week's Sovsits v. The Man. We fired you. 
we sacked you, we dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal, you're a traitor, and you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you, that's what I'll go with. This week in Sobsies Via the Man, we are eating fresh, thanks to a good friend of the podcast, Chris Martin, who stumbled upon an amazing and ridiculous little factoid. Jared Fogle, yes, the subway guy, is a Sobsit. Yep. He is. For those who don't know him, he became the Subway guy because he was a big man who turned small after eating a shitload of Subway and exercising. <laughs> so he claimed. So it's a he lot claims. of bread, right? It's a it's lot a of bread. A lot of bread, isn't it? I know. So Jared was on print, billboard, TV, and often in-person events, showing off his old giant pants and claiming that Subway <laughs> is this silver bullet when it comes it's to weight gi- loss. His giant fat man pants. Yeah, they were huge. They were huge. And I mean, it worked, I guess. I mean, they certainly ran with it. And yeah. Jared became this weird little minor celebrity. So- Yep. In 2015, I believe this was 15 years into him hawking Subway sandwiches, Fogel pleaded guilty to one count of distributing and receiving child pornography and Ooh. one count of traveling and attempting to travel to engage in illicit sexual conduct yeah. with a minor. Mm-hmm. This is what he was charged for. A lot of shit came out during the trial. So he was given 15 years and eight months in federal prison, which was reaffirmed upon appeal, which basically said, no, 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 I didn't stutter. Fuck you. At sentencing, the judge said the level of perversion and lawlessness exhibited by Mr. Fogel is extreme, and mm-hmm. it was implied that Fogel had dealt with his fame with a shitload of booze and regularly engaged in soliciting prostitutes, including Ooh. getting prostitutes to find him minors to have sex with, mm. which I just don't know. Is that the best way to handle fame? It uh, must have caused Subway no end of grief. <laughs> they they dropped him very, very smartly, didn't they? No, yeah. it wasn't exactly great for their image. Um, you know, Subway sandwiches are famously mm. phallic, which also does cause issues. So during his sentence, Jared clearly got peeled to the gills because he sent his mate, Frank Edwin Pate, to file a motion to enter an amicus yeah. curiae brief, which Sausage. is like a friend of the court, it's a thing. And in this motion, it questioned... Whether a judicial judgment is lawful depends on whether the sovereign has authority to render it. There you go. So he questioned the court's Mm -hmm. jurisdiction over him as a sovereign. Very good. The judge basically told him to get fucked in not so many words, (laughs) and uh, he's back in prison. Did not work. Did not work. He just made himself look like a prick. So Jared's had a pretty wild time in prison. He's been engaged in lawsuits, including one where he actually had the fucking balls to sue the parents of one of his victims, claiming that they screwed her up when they got divorced and they were responsible for her behavior. Jared, you are horrible. Isn't that fucked up? Like, just... Fade into obscurity. Do your time. Yeah. And and Fogel also encountered a touch of hostility in jail from yeah. a fellow inmate, Steve Nigg, a 61-year-old man who was otherwise well-behaved, beat the shit out of him in the recreational in yard. The yard. Got him in the yard. Nigg reportedly hates pedophiles so much, he asked authorities to send him to a higher security prison so he could avoid interacting <laughs> with them. That is yeah. a wild move. Nick told TMZ in a letter, Jared is their hero. You would not believe how arrogant Jared was. He hired bodyguards and the other child molesters looked at him like if he was a god. A god of child molesters. A god of child molesters. That's a strange fucking hill to jump to. strange, yeah. Strange god. Strange god. For his troubles, Nick spent a few months in the hole, which seems excessive, but maybe he got a good few punches in, and lost time of his sentence (laughs) for good behavior, which is a real shame. 
But it sounds like Fogel absolutely needed his ass kicked oh, yeah. because he is a steaming piece of shit. And a sovsit piece of shit who's living in a cell down by the river. <laughs> Sucked in, Fogel, you piece of shit. Also, <laughs> apparently one of the things that he claimed was that Subway sent him places and therefore he didn't yeah. travel to solicit children because he was sent there. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, the speed in which Subway dropped this man as one of their spokespeople was, you know, I mean, basically it was hypersonic. Yes. Yes, because he was a serious embar- embarrassment. And we must leave the noggin scratch and absurdity of soft sits there because, listeners, we have a big treat in store for you today in our Just Asking Questions segment. We have the man who takes the piss out of cookers even more than we do, Lucky Lance, sitting in the green room, tapping his toes and ready to step in front of the microphone to answer a bunch of impertinent questions. I'd better get out of the way, but I have kept the seat warm. Lance, welcome. I, I still haven't worked it out yet. And if you haven't worked it out... Keep asking the question and keep looking for the answers because it's irrelevant. Hey guys, it's just me, Lance, again. <laughs> That's right, listeners. This week we have the one and only Lucky Lance, Australia's most prolific anti-scamming activist, and we're going to discuss his origin story. You know, every hero has a story. Oh, sorry, Lance, superhero has a story. And let's have a look at yours, man. So let's just start from the start or at least the middle. What were you like as a teenager? Oh, obviously... It's no surprise. I was a troubled teenager. I ran away from home when I was 14. I was a street kid. That's hectic. And uh, my life was a roller coaster ride, in and out of trouble, and uh, obviously moving house a lot. And uh, it was a big roller coaster ride and a lot of fun along the way. And now I'm here. <laughs> I've become a family man and an anti-scamming activist at the end of the day, which is very strange. Oh, and you survived it. So basically, you ran away from home, you went from place to place, probably couch surfed a lot and fucked around, but eventually, did you actually get your shit together? On and off, yeah. I, uh, I was sleeping on trains and stuff. I was sleeping rough at one stage. Yeah. Uh, then I went to a place called Front Yard Youth Services, and they found me a share house in Box Hill behind a church, okay. and it was actually uh, owned by the church, and the, the bloke that lived there was a priest. Decent. Yeah, so I lived with a priest and a heap of other homeless kids in the house but this priest his name's david webster really nice guy he never preached to me i didn't even realize he was a priest at, at first it was really funny he had a big cross around his neck and we're eating dinner and i said what are you at church or something what's with a cross and he just looked at me and goes it, you realize you realize this <laughs> <Yeah>. is a <laughs> you realize what house this is i didn't even put two and two together that that's the house funny. that's built onto the back of a church is the priest's residence. <laughs> it's amazing that he shared it. That's yeah. amazing. So I was teasing him for his cross, and uh, he said, "I'm a." Didn't you realize I'm a priest from the church there? Yeah, I was I in the church house. That one. That's very funny. <laughs> that's very funny. And did you get a job? Yeah, I, I got a job at a factory. I was working at this factory for about a year, and the blokes there treated me really well and taking me to footy games, and things were going well. And the priest yeah. that I lived with, David Webster, he actually told me he wanted me to move out because the other young people that lived there were on drugs and in trouble and I was doing it really well and he didn't he thought that the other kids there would drag me down yeah okay, he sat me down and said Lance it's time for you to move on become independent you'd graduated from the school of hard knocks yes well no it hadn't even started yet but, uh, <laughs> oh no no this it hadn't even started but he was concerned because I was working you know I wasn't drinking I was working and I was being productive and he was concerned that I'd be influenced by the the bad kids that were that were living there that were on drugs and, and in trouble yeah yeah, that's fair. And, and he said, it's time for you to get independent 
somewhere to live. Yeah. So I found a share house in Canterbury, really nice oh, yeah. area, right off Mailing yeah. Road, shopping strip. I was living with the yuppies. It was awesome. Loved it. <laughs> Uh, but I wasn't ready. I was still only, I think, 17, I think I was at the time, 16, yeah, wow. 17. Yeah, okay. Yeah, still uh, young as fuck, man. I was at school doing, yeah. you know, sheltered as. I'd still speak to my mum every every couple of weeks. Because I was on my own, I had no uh, no one to tell me off, so I could do whatever I liked. And I started staying out late and drinking and uh, started stealing cars. Oh, fuck it, hell. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. I used to, used to st- started stealing cars and... Uh, as transport, you know, and uh, not for money. No, nah, no, nah, I never made any money for it. Just for for transport. It's funny. Just I was, for funsies. Well, for transport to get to work and to Jesus, I would keep these cars and wash them and and <laughs> <laughs> check the so oil. She... I would keep them and just drive them around. If, you, if you'd be surprised, you could drive for a long time in someone else's car, you know, to and from work, and you don't get pulled over unless you're speeding. Yeah, just a weird crime that I got involved in. Uh, just uh, it was a it was a like a kleptomaniac with cars, just always stealing yeah, cars. Yeah, because it's not for money like it just it, that is total kleptomania that's that is uh yeah that is a certain type of degeneracy to be stealing cars just because you want to have something to drive to work which is like you being like almost square but not yeah i remember i en- ended up leaving that factory job and after that i got a job as a door-to-door salesman and so i was doing door-to-door sales for first started with cobra remember orange one mobile phones remember them the home ah uh, yeah vaguely yeah, the orange, home mobile. yeah i worked for them that was great and um i drive stolen cars to that job as well i was it's amazing. <laughs> I remember I worked there. That was a proper company, that that place, and they, they asked me for a criminal record check. And I was thinking, criminal record? By this stage, I was on bail. You know what I mean. By this stage, yeah, I started shit, getting, yeah. I started getting, um, I started getting caught by the police all the time. All the time, getting caught. Not lucky but because I was working and not a real bad kid. The, the courts would just keep letting me go. I just keep getting fines yeah, and suspended yeah. sentences and yeah. on top of you know and just get multiple suspended sentences because i'd come to court you know this guy is working you got character references or whatever yeah so the magistrates really don't want to put you in jail jail's a last resort it is a last resort. yeah, yeah that's so right. i would get away with uh so much you know so many times breach every bail you know constantly breaching bail f- for the same offense and someone like me they're worried that i was young they're thinking they're, gonna, they're just going to send him to gladiator school he's going to end up worse you know so yeah that's it yeah it's a last resort but also i would present well in court i'd dress nice you know i'd have character references usually and always working as well that's rare to have someone with that sort of offending background but yeah. also working yeah right yeah so they really don't want to lock up young kids that are in the workforce as well so you seem redeemable yeah that's right you know, he's yeah. working. He's already productive. Let's give him another suspended sentence, some more community work, and see if he can't. And you really can't have to around. you have to really push him until they start locking you up for this, yes. this type of minor offending. You really have to. But push they, them. but they did eventually. Oh, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. And yeah, that uh, that was a big shock when I started <laughs> putting me in jail. <laughs> Went to jail a few times. Not very fun no. whatsoever. Uh, that didn't work. The first time was only a few months and it was only a couple of weeks later that I was pinching cars again, I remember. Jesus. I think that's when I started working at Orange Orange One Mobile Phones. Now, I remember they asked me for a criminal check, right? So a lot of people think, oh, I've been in trouble. I can't get jobs. You can. You just got to be a bit shifty. So they, would, they asked me for the <laughs> criminal record check. I'm like, yep. Yep, I'll get it. I'll get it to you ASAP. Yeah, yeah. It checks in the mail because you actually have to get it yourself. Your boss can't apply for it. You have oh, to fill okay. out the form and go and get it yourself. Yeah, fair. So the boss would ask me every week, "You got that criminal check? You got that criminal check? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm getting it." And he just kept asking me. But by then, I was one of their best salesmen. I was hitting my targets. Yeah, I was motivated. I was motivating yeah. the other the other people. Yeah, yeah. By that's that point, it. you know, they wanted to keep me and. 
they just stopped asking me for this criminal record check after yeah, about, buddy, after about two months every week asking me. Um, you just sort of give up. Was it was going to be either that or fire me, and they didn't want to fire me. So yeah, you know, you sort of got to bend the rules a little bit to to get around the the criminal check. Yeah, yeah, and, that's um, it. Yeah, and there that was a good, that was a good place to work. But the same thing again, I was pinching cars to get to work there as well. You know, and, it's just uh, yeah, it's a ticking time bomb. You just you're gonna get in trouble. It's just a matter of when. I mean, like really, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. It's not quite the same as now. Like, you know, as you say, you could drive back and forward from work a lot. Now they've got like license plate recognition and shit. It's totally different. I, I don't think you could do it now. No. No, it, God, it'd no. be different now. I remember no. one time I was, when I was working at Orange as well. Here's a funny story. I had aspirations of doing something positive with my life, even though I was doing a lot of <laughs> dumb things. So I kind of, but I, like I said, I lived on my own. I was on my own. I didn't have my family around me. I didn't have close family, friends, cousins, relatives, anyone guiding me. So I was left to my own devices, which let me to, like, a, like you just heard. Yeah, ice cream for dinner, but crime-wise. Yes. So, But I had aspirations to do positive things. And I used to like Tony Robbins. I used to watch Tony Robbins on the TV. And fun. I went to go and see Tony Robbins when he was in Melbourne. I went to a preview seminar to go and sign up. So I get there and I'm there in the stolen car. And I go inside and I sit down for the, <laughs> the preview seminar. And I'm sitting there. I'm out of my depth. I've parked right at the front illegally in my stolen car. And, and I've gone inside. And when I went inside... I seen a group of people from my work, sales reps, and they're like, oh, Lance, what are you doing here? I said, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Anthony Robbins. You know, and they're like, oh, oh, Lance, we're impressed to see you. you know, these were the nerds that I was working with. Yeah. And they were impressed to see me on a, a weeknight after work coming to see a Anthony Robbins preview seminar. Yeah. They were like, they were impressed. And then, you know, we saw the seminar. Fuck, they wanted like four grand to go and see it. And um, anyway... It was a bit of a scam, to be honest. So we walked out the front. <laughs> and these people I work with, they were going to catch, I think, the train or the tram or something. And they said, oh, you're getting the train. And I said, no, I'm driving. Where are you going? They said, told me where they're going. I said, oh, I'll give you a lift. So <laughs> so I, get, I said, I'm just parked over here. They said, oh, that's your car. Oh, okay. And uh, we get in the car. So these, these girls from my work jump in. And I've got to grab the... Uh, I've got to, I think I had some scissors. I had, I had to grab the scissors to put in the ignition without them oh, seeing. Fucking hell. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like talking, keeping them talking, and then just yeah. quickly start the car, and then off we go. And That's so funny. Drop them off and see them the next day at work. Yeah, that wouldn't work anymore. Scissors in the ignition. Wow, that is crude. You know, uh, that's it, it, just a, yeah, it's a weird way. It's a very dishonest way I was supposed to live. I mean, these people had no idea. They would have been horrified had they known. Yes, because they were probably accessories to some sort of crime. I mean, Fuck. They would have been horrified. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you li- when you uh, move out of home at fourteen, run away from home at fourteen. You left to your own devices. Yeah, you can. Uh, you make a lot of mistakes. Your own devices aren't perfect. Oh, look, I would have been a <laughs> fucking menace if I didn't have uh, you know sort of four walls keep me in. But uh, and I was a menace in my own right. But that's a whole other story. So look, let's go down to now when things sort of fall apart and you find your new friend Meth. Yes. Yeah. Absolute uh, misery that was. How did that come about? Like, what, what, what was the precursor for you to sit there and sort of think, yeah, I think smoking meth is a great idea? Because it's not. It's not a good idea. Well, I'd had it a few times. I think maybe like nineteen years old, yeah, twenty years old. I think I tried it a couple of times at parties. Yeah, dabbling in hectic drugs is okay. It's just when you sort of, you know, come back to them a lot. That's when. That's when it's problematic. Yeah. I'd been around it a little bit. I had it. If you, I lived in Port Melbourne and my housemates were dealing it and stuff like that. And I knew yeah. I had friends that were dealing it. Uh, so I was living around Port Melbourne. If you live around Port Melbourne, Docklands, it, you know, it, <laughs> there's a lot of drug dealers living around there. 
and yep. uh, you'll meet drug dealers in the gym and all over the place. Yeah. But I was able to not fall down that rabbit hole, uh, even though I tried it a few times. Yeah. I was lucky enough not to fall down that trap. And then uh, I met my wife in Port Melbourne. I met her. And when I met her, I was uh, I was in a good space. Yep. And I wasn't in trouble at the time. I got my personal training certificate, Cert yep. 3 in personal training. And I started working at Fitness First. And I really liked Zara. So when I met Zara, I really liked her. So I really wanted to put my best foot forward. I was... I yeah, wasn't drinking. That's it. I didn't yeah. drink. I didn't smoke cigarettes. Yeah, I didn't use drugs. Eating clean. I was, I was eating. Yeah, I was eating organic vegetables and boiled chicken and trying to look good and be good. And uh, I wanted to, um, you know, make this marriage work. You know, I thought this is a good thing. And I was in. Yeah, I was in a good space. Yeah, and. Uh, I go through this every few. I used to go through this every few years. I all of a sudden become a nerd. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't always didn't last long, but no, didn't last long. And yeah, everything was going really, really well. Um, I was working at Fitness First. That was fun because uh, I love being in the gym. Yeah. And then me and Zara were having a great time, going on holidays and trips and walking our dogs on the beach. You know, life yeah. was great. You know, that sounds nice. It sounds like the picket fence is coming, and the whole thing is just really idyllic. So that makes it even sadder to know that something bad is about to happen. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know what happened? Kids. <laughs> so all of a sudden, uh, Zara started getting pregnant. And I was like, oh, what's this about? I hadn't planned to have kids. I didn't even know what kids were. And uh, didn't even <laughs> didn't know anyone that had kids. Yeah. Kids was like a foreign thing to me. Yeah. We had Samantha, our first daughter. I was like, oh, well, I'll quit my job at Fitness First. I'll be a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, let's face it, what I was earning at Fitness First <laughs> wasn't much compared to <laughs> what yeah, she was earning. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, I that's think, fair. Uh, I, yeah, she was earning in an hour what I was earning in two weeks. So yeah, as long as you're useful at home, you could be a good house husband. Well, I was, yes, I was a stay-at-home dad, and I was struggling. It turned out it's really hard. Yes, it is. At the start, I thought stay-at-home dad. This is great. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, it's the easiest job ever. I thought it was great. Yeah, we would have been telling us this for a long time. We would have been saying, screaming this from rooftops for the this for some time. Yeah, I was saying, what are these women complaining about? At the first few weeks, I was like, what are women complaining about? This is awesome. I'm walking down the street with the pram. Everyone's coming over to see the baby. And then because you're, <laughs> you're a house dad, women in the area in Docklands where I live, they treat you like you're a god. That's so funny. Just by doing the bare minimum. So there's women all over me. Oh, you look after the baby, do you? Oh, you know. I was like, this is great. I'm a superstar. Amazing. With the baby. But after a few weeks, I couldn't handle the crying. It started to um, started to get to me. Yeah. And I started to struggle. Then I had a, dent- a health nurse who would come and give me tips on how to stop the baby from crying and all these sort of yeah. things. And it wasn't working out. I was struggling. I was struggling. I punched a few holes in the walls and oof. Yeah. And then I was plastering the walls all the time afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Hey, learning a new skill. Yeah, yeah. I got good at plastering. <laughs> oh, and fuck. I was really finding it hard so yeah i had a rude awakening that actually raising babies is extremely hard it's really hard yeah so i was finding it hard and then zara comes home once i you know so i discovered it was really hard i was finding it really hard so zara comes home and tells me i'm pregnant but this time it's with twins oh fuck and i'm like what i don't even want to keep the one i got <laughs> he doesn't mean that he doesn't mean that he loves you <laughs> you know what I mean I was struggling with the one that we had and then she yeah, comes yeah, home from it. work and says that she's pregnant but this time with twins yeah that's brutal that is and brutal. I was like holy shit you know and I was struggling with that just the concept of that and then anyway eventually she had the babies and um, then we're in this apartment and we're in a like a three bedroom apartment with three babies all crying at the same time now yeah you know, yeah one would start it, yeah. crying then the other ones would start crying and I was finding it really hard and I was losing my mind and then I started going down to the bar in the Docklands there and I started drinking and I hadn't had a drink I'd been drinking for the previous 
two years, right? I'd, I'd quit drinking. Yep. But I'd yep. started drinking. Yep. Once I started drinking, uh, th- turns out the lady that owned the bar was on meth. Oh, and, wow. So it's that and she eventually offered me some meth. Yeah. Um, fuck. She had eventually offered me some and you wouldn't expect it, you know? She was a classy lady. Yeah. You know, that yeah, owned yeah. a bar in the Docklands. The last thing I was expecting was that it offered me meth. Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, after the place had closed. And... Uh, once, yeah, once she'd given it to me, I had it and it wasn't long until I was addicted, you know? Yeah. I got addicted yeah. really quickly. So from what I've learned from my many stints in rehab about addiction is it'll usually take a hold of you when you're in a tough place in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You might've tried, I'd tried meth before and it hadn't developed to addiction. No. But what will happen is you might've tried, that's what, that's why I tell people, do not try drugs and then you're safe. You never try them because you might've tried them and got away with it. And then a few years later, something stressful happens, something tragic happens in your life, like maybe a loved one dies, and all of a sudden you'll turn to that drug and then you can become an addict and it happens yeah, every day. like just enmeshed in it, yeah. But if yeah. you'd never tried the drugs and you don't know what you're missing, you probably wouldn't turn to it when something tragic happens. Yeah. And for me, something tragic didn't happen, but something stressful happened. I had these three babies. I wasn't prepared You were for overwhelmed. It. I was overwhelmed. I couldn't cope and uh, I found it extremely, extremely, extremely difficult. I'll probably get abused in the comment section for, for saying that. But <laughs> That's right. Look, this is an interview about honesty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, brutal honesty. I've, yeah. Having the three babies, it was I couldn't cope. It was too much for me. Like I said, I started drinking. Then the, the lady that owned the bar offered me some ice. And and, uh, and that was that. Then for the next, I think, three, four years or, or so, I was just struggling with addiction. You know, yeah. I'd be on it. Then I'd be off it for a few months and back on it for a week and then off it for a few months. Yeah. I was constantly in rehab, constantly going to these, you know, flying to Sydney and Queensland trying to get to whatever rehab I could find, you know, traveling into state, desperate to get off it. Yeah. Because I was a gym junkie, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then next minute I'm an actor. It doesn't work. Then I'm a normal junkie, so I didn't feel good about myself. No, that's really sad. A lot of shame. And you start mixing with some pretty shit people, I suppose. Oh, (laughs) the worst. Because you can't, you have to ostracize your normal friends because the shame. Yeah. Even if I'd seen my real normal friends while I was on it, I would run the other way, drive the other way, like do whatever I can to avoid them because I wouldn't want to have them see me on meth. Yeah, in that state. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the that's shame. It. The shame. Even if they couldn't tell, I would be uh, riddled with guilt. You'd just be mortified inside. Yeah. Oh, mortified. Yeah. If I'd seen any of my friends or family, I-, I couldn't cope. So I would hang out with people that- and you just find them. When you're on it, you just find them. I don't know how. Yeah. 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 You go to buy some off someone and they introduce you to someone. Yeah. And before you know it, you kind of know dozens of these people that live in this life. Just surrounded by meth heads. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would cut them off and fall out with them and uh, change my number or delete their numbers to try to get away from it. And it be, wouldn't be long, a number of weeks, I would have met some new meth heads. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's it. They're a dime a dozen, right? Yeah, and plus I lived in the city as well. So I you know, might be clean for a month and then I'll meet them at this petrol station on the street. Yeah, Just yeah. In my travels. It's like meth heads are drawn to each other. Like if you're on the street full of people, like the two meth heads will, will, will single each other out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like the shame aside, you can't really have normal friends. Friends and your meth. Like, I mean, what? Like, it's just not a lifestyle that is compatible with normal people. No, no, because you annoy your friends and you borrow money off them, and yeah, you, you you call them at three in the morning wanting a lift, and oh, I've been in a fight, I need help. You know, it's yeah, you're <laughs> you're a nightmare to your friends and family. It's a liability. Yeah, oh, massive liability. Put my wife through turmoil and hell. Yeah, eventually she got a nanny. To help with the babies because obviously I was no good to anyone. Yeah, that's so we got sucks. a nanny. That's a shame as well. Who we're still friends with today. And oh, that, that's good. That worked out well. Yeah, yeah. It was absolute misery. And um, and then what happened was being involved with all these meth heads and and crooks in that life. It really uh, took me down a, a dark path yeah. of violence. And I think you wanted to ask me about that, Joel. Well, yeah, there is an elephant in the room. I mean, like you know, there is the murder charge. Well, um, yeah, like I was just saying. 
I would find myself in violent situations all the time. I've been chased down the street. I've been shot at, hit with weapons. And uh, it just seemed to be these violent situations would always pop up when you got a bunch of meth heads in a, in a house that have been up for three or four days and yeah. just having arguments about things that, you know, that are just paranoid delusions. You know, I think, you know, you stole something from me or things like that. Because meth fucks with your head. Yeah. It makes There's you a crazy. Lot of paranoia. Yeah. And uh, you'd be in fights over things that just made no sense whatsoever, you know? Yeah, like full-on fights too, right? Like, you know, using weapons. That's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very violent with the meth heads. They get very violent. The ones I'd met as well, I must have met some of the worst of them. Yes, it sounds it like just it. a very, very violent lifestyle of yeah. uh, you know criminals and and drug dealers and and, and thugs uh, that are probably already fairly violent and then you add meth to the mix and and then yeah it's just fucked and then the next minute uh I found myself, uh, I was in jail myself, charged for murder, like yeah, you were saying. Yeah, And uh, people comment on that and remind me of that every day on Facebook, something that I never shake. Yeah, and, it's uh, hard. What do I say to it? Uh, you know, it's hard to explain to normal people uh, how that comes about to be in that sort of situation, unless you've yeah. been a meth head and been in those meth houses and been in those situations and seen the violence and uh, what happens in that world. Unless you've seen it and lived it and experienced it, it's very hard for people to understand. Yeah. It's like uh, actual psychosis, you know, like people who really do think that like, you know, insects are crawling in their skin and that you stole their last point. <laughs> it's funny you said that. You, you seem to know a little bit too much about it. Because, <laughs> yeah, stealing the last point, that does come up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like one of the more common things I imagine. That's that it well, starts some fights. Well, yeah. So the best I could do to explain it to people is, uh, and obviously I thought about it before we did this podcast, is that in my case, 12 members of a jury just like the people listening to this podcast found me not guilty because I acted in self-defense. Yeah, yeah. And that's the best way I can explain it. And like, look, there's there's probably a, a pretty long and harrowing story about the, you know, the events and there's a blow by blow and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it sounds like a fight that went horribly wrong over something that was probably not worth fighting over. Yeah, I think I think all the fights that happen in that meth world are probably over nothing. Yeah, but in the moment when you're all hopped up and there's something going on, it means everything and, you know, shit can go really wrong. Yeah. Yeah, the paranoia, I think, is what it does because when I think about it, all the times I had disagreements or fights or was attacked physically in that world with meth addicts, it was always over nothing. Yeah. It was always over something that didn't happen. Or you said this or you did that, you stole my phone, you stole my drugs, when you actually didn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what a crazy... What a crazy world, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, like, okay, so what happens to these people? You obviously got clean, you landed on your feet, and your life made sense. Zara has Zara's an angel for putting up with your bullshit. And not everyone can fly to rehab. Not everyone has a loving partner that's going to take care of them. What happens to these people, in your experience at least? Well, many of them have gotten clean. I've had to I've had to obviously cut all ties with anyone that I knew that was a yeah. previous addict. Well, that's a part of rehab, I imagine. But I do get called sometimes. Times after I got clean, I forced a few other people to get clean. There was yeah. one one young kid that he was involved in uh, in crime and violence. Uh, he had a legitimate factory, like a mechanic shop. Oh, okay. And he was and uh, but he was a good kid. He's like parent. His mum was a lawyer. You know, yeah. his mum was a lawyer. He was from like a Baldwin. Anyway, I remember I took that kid. He called me. He said he was in trouble with these gangsters, and he thought I could help him. And he got a rude surprise when I took him. He told me about these problems that he had. He owed money and all these things that happened in that world. And I put him in the car in my car and got his phone. Of him, so give me a phone, and I went through a scroll down. I didn't know this, this guy's mum. I scrolled down, looked for mum, <laughs> saw mum, and I called his mum. I said, "Don't you move!" And I called his mum, and I said, "Yeah, look, you don't know me. My name's Lance. I'm here with your son, and uh, he's in all sorts of trouble. And I'm 
and I'm bringing him to your house right now. But it's like one in the morning. She's like, what? It's one in the morning. I said, yeah, well, it's yeah. very serious. She goes, oh, it's not the drugs, is it? He's not using those drugs again, is he? I'm like, <laughs> not using drugs? When did he stop? <laughs> what are you talking about? When wasn't he on drugs? I thought, so mum had no idea. She said, he's not on those drugs again, is he? Yeah, like, yeah. When, when wasn't it, yeah. he? He's a full-blown yeah. drug addict. So I drove him the, in the middle of the night to his house in Baldwin. His whole family wake up. They're all crying. I told them what had happened. Luckily, his family were really smart. They shut the business down. Like he built up this great business, this auto shop, and they said, oh, so you have to go to rehab for a few months and close the business for it. I said, no, no, no. He can never go back there again. Yeah, because it's just going to follow him. I said, he can never go back there again. Like you got to shut it down, close the business. She's like, yeah. it's an expensive business. I said, you don't understand. He's going to end up in jail. You know what yeah. I mean? He's, he's, he's yeah. involved in the, the drug scene yeah. and trafficking and whatnot. And that story they don't always end up end well these stories but in that particular story these parents because they were smart they did they went in the next day and shut the business down and yep. sent him straight to a rehab in queensland yep and that was the end of it no i hadn't heard from him again until a few years later and this would happen this is what i was getting at they would call zara so this this lady yeah, mom, okay, yep, yep. called zara and said just want to send a message to because she'd known that who my wife was yeah she reached out to zara and just sent a message that Maddie has been clean now for two years and he's living in Queensland and he didn't come back after rehab. He just stayed in Queensland. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. And anyway, that's years ago now. So now he's like clean like that's seven good. years now. That's good. And that's good. There's been a few stories like that. Some people get out of that life and some don't. Yeah. So I do get impressed when I, I do hear people from that life on the grapevine. I hear that they got clean and they went to rehab and got clean. I think it's great, but I don't reconnect with them, you know, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been it. a number that of makes- them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it's it's a nightmare. Well, it's not worth the risk. No, you wouldn't want to put you wouldn't want two ex addicts uh, to reconnect to be friends because that's yeah. a risk of that going back to you know, yeah. sparking old memories. A, a yeah, tr- that's you know, a trigger. Yeah. So I don't risk it at all. I don't. I don't. I don't associate with anyone that uses drugs at all. Wise move. So <laughs> yeah. basically, let's go to the fact that you've cleaned up your act. You've got your life back, and now you've gone and filmed some hospitals. Yes, when I was a cooker. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pandemic started, and I thought it's a bit overblown. I thought it doesn't make sense. And I spoke to some people who worked in a hospital and said, what's this? The, the, the news is saying that hospitals are overrun, 12-hour shifts, no breaks. I spoke to a few people that work in major hospitals and said, well, that's not true. The elective surgeries are off, and uh, some nurses aren't getting shifts, and 12-hour shift was always a standard shift. Uh, so that, no, they're not overrun. And I thought, well, the news is saying, you know, they're showing this footage from overseas. And I thought, yeah. So I drove to all the hospitals one night and filmed outside. Obviously, I didn't get inside, but I filmed outside, and I'd never seen such quiet hospitals. The emergency rooms where I could see into the emergency rooms from outside, no patients, no one on the street. Yeah, you know. So it wasn't as it, it wasn't the same as what the, the you'd seen on the news. Yeah. So that made me uh, really become a conspiracy theorist because as soon as yep. you see that you think the news have lied, well then you don't know what to believe anymore. And yep. then I started watching a little bit of uh, I started watching some Sky News, and then that just after you watch Sky News, unless you're a really smart academic type, if you're just an average person like me you watch sky news and you just think yep there's no such thing as a coronavirus yep. doesn't exist yeah i was listening to alan jones yeah i was to alan jones so then i that's became killed up. keep making all these videos and you could make a video when you make a video that's anti-government or anti-mask or anti-corona every video even a shit one would get thirty thousand views yeah yeah know? that's it and they're so easy popular. as well because you could just say whatever the fuck you want it's very popular to be anti-vax or, or i was never anti-vax but it's very popular to be a conspiracy theorist yeah put out conspiracy content it's the most popular and that's why i suspect Many of these influencers do it. Yeah, I think some of them don't believe what they're saying, but they know it's popular. Yeah, the most fame and money, and therefore money and merchandise sales. So that's it. Like Maria Z and guys like that. That she just lies through her teeth, and either she is an actual pathological liar or she's just an opportunist grifter. But like she's either one, bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they've they've realised it's very popular if you, to be conspiracy online. It gives you the most amount of attention, and then you, that's why you'll see a few of the influencers 
have actually changed to become conspiracy yeah, influencers. Yeah. Some of them have changed their tune because they've seen it's more popular. Well, I I went the other way. And what first, lots of things woke me up. Two of the main things that woke me up is uh, people contacted me from the movement, wanted me to join because I had a bit of a following. They yep. also, I believe, because they figured I've got I'm lawyered up. They always want lawyers in the movement. You know, that's why yeah, they, yeah, of course. They rallied yeah. around Serene and and Peter Little, just any Peter lawyers they can get in the movement, they'll take. <laughs> that's fucking they, too desperate. Fucking oh, things. they took lawyers. You know, lawyers so shit. The lawyers in the freedom movement are so shit. Yeah. They're so shit that they, they couldn't even get a job at legal aid. Like, that's how yeah. shit these lawyers are. The bottom of the fucking barrel. Lawyers that no one had ever heard about ever. Yeah. And the freedom movement took them in because that's all they could get. And I yep. believe that's why the freedom movement probably reached out to me. You know, RDA reached out to me. Many reached out to me. And they probably figured because my wife got you know, probably the biggest law firm in Victoria or criminal law firm, they probably thought she would be of assistance, which obviously yeah. she's not. Yes. Uh, well, clearly not. <laughs> so then I started looking more into this freedom movement and I just noticed, well, hang on a minute. These guys seem to lie a lot you know i just remember yeah. watching them and watching Rebel. i was like geez these guys lying a lot why aren't they lying yeah they're fucking lying all the time and then changing what they're saying all the time you can and see I, through it if you look it, you can well, so I easy to see it. through it yeah and i was disheartened because these were at the time these were like peers yeah your people yeah yeah they were my people and my hand these guys are all lying and then yeah. what's with the money how come it's always money 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 oh money yeah. for this money. look what what's with the money all about we're just t- speaking our truth here and t- telling yeah. Tell what happened to the truth, but it's all about money. Yeah. It's all about money. I thought, what's going on here? Yeah. And then I think the light bulb moment is when I saw Alan Jones present that the lockdowns had caused all these extra suicides. I was like, makes sense. Of course, lockdowns would, they're not good for mental health. Yeah, it makes um, it sad. And then suicides would go up. So I went in, but you know, did my own research. When I looked up the suicide <laughs> rate, right, with some help. And turned out there was no suicide rate because it's only out annually. So I thought, what the fuck is Alan Jones talking about? He's saying yeah, suicides are through the roof, but there's no Doesn't stats the for that. Yeah. There's no data. That's it. It's all um, yeah. anecdotal. Oh, because I, oh, a, a funeral director said it. Oh, well, fuck that's off. not data. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shit. Fuck the funeral yeah. director. So yeah. anyway, suicide rate come out a few months later. I thought, here we go. Moment of truth. Yeah. It was fucking down. Yeah. That's the one. It's true. I mean, It was no. down, Joel. It and is. that's yeah. when I became completely unpilled. Yeah, wow. And I thought, fuck you, Sky News. Fuck you, Alan Jones. Lied to me. You just told millions of people that lockdowns had caused suicides, right? Turns out it hadn't. In fact, yep. the suicide rate was down by two the first year, and the second year of lockdowns, suicide rate hadn't moved at all. Suicide attempts were through the roof. I acknowledge that. It's extremely sad. But that's not what the influencers were saying. No. And that's not what Alan Jones is saying. They were saying that lockdowns had caused an excess or an increase in suicides. And they still say it now. They still say it. It hadn't happened. They still say it, it now. Happen. The data's there and they still say it. Every time they get caught out for presenting information that turned out to be lie, they just lie some more. Oh, no. Yeah, so exactly. The, the state current the is corrupt now. He was exactly. lying. Exactly. Everyone's corrupt if they don't agree with them. That's exactly how this works. It's fucking pathetic. So yeah. once I discovered this, the movement is corrupt. It's all about money. Once I discovered all the misinformation from Alan Jones and Sky News, I fucking turned on these people. Yes, you did. <laughs> I fucking turned on them and I've dedicated my life to ruining the freedom movement every way I can. I've built a network of snitches and anti-scamming activists. I've built a little network. Uh, we reach out. We beg the media to, to expose it. We've had a lot of luck with the media. Yeah, police. Yeah, yeah. We report people to the police, police assistance line, the ACCC, Consumer Affairs. Victorian Legal Services Board, we've seen Serene disbarred. We've seen Nathan Buckley from yep. GMB yep. disbarred or suspended, I should say. A couple of scalps there. And it's become it's become an obsession yeah. to bring Centrelink justice. Centrelink as well with Tammy Centrelink, Jane. Centrelink, yes. We just uh, reported Tammy Jane to Centrelink the other day. That was a big one. Yeah. And it's been a big life changer. And the amount of people from behind closed doors that, that I'm on in regular contact with, the amount of effort they go to 
it's been life changing for me. There's so many good people out there, and they don't <laughs> they don't want their names known. They don't they're not trying to get famous. They just want to do what's right. And I I've been inspired. There's a lot of goody goodies out there that will go to a lot of trouble to bring justice to to so many of these people. Yeah, there are. So like, yeah, but so basically you've made a whole bunch of new friends, but you've clearly made a lot of new enemies as well. Oh, oh, people hate my fucking guts because my <laughs> videos, I don't know if your listeners will watch my videos, but I think a lot of them do. They're well, my videos, they're very harsh. They're very, you know, sinister. I mock them mercilessly. It's, it's, you do, you know, yeah. Sometimes I, you're I harsher use, than we are. I'm fucking real fucking, very, mate, so harsh that, as you know, I've been in court for the last two years fighting fraudulent interim intervention orders from half of the leaders of the movement, you know? Yeah, so I've got, well, but they want to shut you up. Yeah, it's got to the point where I've got the police knocking on my door on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. I'm in court. I'm in court now more than when I was when I was a crook. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I've been in court up. fighting these IVOs longer than any court case I've ever been involved in, yeah. which is quite bizarre. When it comes down to it, the grifts are still going. These yes. people who have these IVOs out on you are clearly still making money, but they want to make as much money as possible. And in doing that, they need to make sure that you don't wake up any of their sheep. Well, I think I have woken up many of the sheep because they inbox me and I get apologies. I've made, I have woken up a lot of people. Yeah, but that's good. There's a lot of people that follow the movement. So, you know, I might have woken up a couple of thousand people, which is not a lot out of, you know, it's probably half a million people. But yeah. I'm very proud of of the of those numbers anyway. And and yeah. the people that uh, hated me, people that were following and don- donating to Serene and, and many other influencers, something, they kept watching my content, even though they hated me, they keep watching. Because in the back of their mind, they're a bit sus themselves. Yeah, and they keep watching. Yeah. And then it would be something, and I just make random so much uh, content that I make, uh, it's a little bit like, you know, throw enough mud or whatever. I just put out as much yeah, information yeah, as I yeah. can. Just yeah. whatever I'm thinking, whatever I've discovered, I put it in a video. My long rambling videos go on and on and on. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's shit ass content. Nah, it's- but there's so much of it. And, and and then within all of the content that I put out there, something will resonate. There'll be something yeah. that I'll say to somebody that'll wake them up. Wake you know, them up. Yeah, whether yeah. it be, you know, Rebel News with their crowdfunding. I, I told people, it's like, well, Rebel News presented that they had a guy at the Melbourne Magistrates Court and I'll show them. Melbourne Magistrates Court was closed. Also, that case That's right. was heard yep. ex parte in Mansfield. And yep. just, you know, so information like that was enough to wake up some people like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, okay, now I said, once they realize they've been lied to and I work my ass off, to raise doubt and get people thinking. Once they do realize, some of them, that they're being lied to, then they turn. And, and they tweet. I'll tell you what, yeah. some of these people that I have converted, once they the penny drops and they finally realize that they have been donating and worshiping and listening to a scammer for a year or even longer, and once yep. the penny drops that this person's actually full of shit yeah. it's taken them for a long ride, some of these people get so upset that they put – a lot of effort into hurting. Ah, uh, wow! The they turn against them. That they, they like more lances. Well, I've got one lady, and she'll listen to this. I won't say her name, but she's a really, really nice lady. Lives out in Geelong. She'll be listening to this, and she's a <laughs> really lovely lady who uh, was following Serene, and I believe it had donated the two hundred dollars to Serene for the class action. She was watching my videos, and she hated me, but she'd watch them anyway. And then I'd said something about the class action that made her hang on. Yeah, he's right. There is no class action. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she, she's like, yeah, hang on, yeah, it has. It's been fucking months now. There is no class action. Amazing. She's on her third proposed one. Still nothing in court. She yeah. says it's, she's working pro bono, but she's got you know eight hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. But she says it's yeah. free. So what's yeah. the money for? Where's the money for? Yeah, yeah. I also yeah, discovered that she for? had a trust account, personal bank account, and a donations account for this yep. money coming in. Yeah. So it's this all very like, sus. This lady finally uh, went fuck. Lance is right, and then they inbox me and sorry, Lance, for that comment or. You know, they give <laughs> yeah, me, you yeah, know, because yeah. they give me a hard time, 
And then they're so upset, like this lady I'm talking about from Geelong, that's one of the better examples. For the last 18 months, she's been helping me. I speak to her all the time. She's making Amazing. reports. 18 months. Wow. And they that's put, really good. Once they've been scammed and they realize that once they wake up that they've been scammed, they put in more effort to expose in the movement than when they're in it themselves because they're, yeah. they're so hurt that they've been conned. They yeah, are yeah, so bitter. It. Yeah, and they're so yeah. passionate to see justice. That's brilliant. Well, hopefully it keeps on working because it's been it's been really good to see someone stand up to them. And your fearlessness has always been one of the big sort of virtues of your your work. In the fact that people look at this and they think, "Oh, I don't want to do that," because you know you get death threats, you get you know you get all sorts of shit. I get threats every day. Yeah, I just figure. I take that as a win. I think, oh, it must be, must be working, you know? Well, yeah. That's what people tend to say. You know, you're over the target if you get death threats. And sometimes it is true. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it's just, it's an annoying occupational hazard and it's something you don't want to come across. But like, essentially, I think having this sort of countermeasure in the movement has been really, really healthy to show that scammers can't get away with things without a bit of oversight. And while it's really difficult with these assholes, throwing around claims of defamation and blah, blah, tantrum this and, you know, and death threats and sending their minions against you. It's good to have someone who's happy to take the heat because otherwise they'll just go and do what they want with impunity. And that, fuck that. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I do take the, the, they go after my wife, you know, I get, you know, people have posted pictures of my kids. They go after my kids, but most thing is they, uh, they go after my wife and she gets threatening emails and phone calls. And yeah, that's not cool. Rebel news have uh, put her through the ringer. Just, you know, they're obsessed with her. Yeah. Oh, they're just scumbags. She doesn't even have Facebook. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't yeah. even know what the fuck's going on. She's that busy. She's running like the, the probably the the busiest criminal law firm in Australia. You know, she's working on huge stuff. You're going to see her in the media in the next few weeks. If you, you wait okay, to see. cool. She's working on cases that are not recorded to have happened anywhere in the world. She's working on really important matters. Yep, and doesn't have time for this shit. She does not have time for this shit, and she's just and like yeah, what? here she is. Yeah, and she's getting dragged into it because getting hassled by cookers. Well. They, they figure that he's got nothing to lose. He doesn't seem to give a shit whatever you do to him. They send the police after me, make up stories about me. They can do whatever they want. It doesn't seem to bother him. So they, they figure they'll go after my wife. Yeah, they go after, the, they, they do what they can. They harass her. She's been called, threatened in the middle of the night, called at work, you name it. Bad Google reviews. Yeah. They just go right after her. That's the movement for you, man. And most people that have tried to stand up to the movement, once that starts happening, they then leave. Yeah. The, that's uh, leave the anti-scamming movement, that is. Yeah. And that's really sad. You know, they fall for it and they go, you know, well, they get threatened with litigation because they all threaten you with litigation. I've been threatened with oh, yeah. I've been threatened by everyone with litigation. Fucking Serene. Uh, oh, you name it. They've all sent me their legal threats. And I just write back saying court to get, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're all threats. They're just, they're, they're that. They're empty threats. Empty threats Otherwise, yeah. they just do it. Otherwise, they yeah, just exactly. serve me. They yeah. just serve me. Yeah. But other people in that work behind the scenes helping me. Once they get those letters, which sometimes happens, they shit themselves. They got mortgages. They got they got property. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and fair enough. And they just back right off. And I'm like, it's just that a threat to get you to back off, and you just let exactly. it work. Don't and it works. Don't let it work. Yeah. Don't let right it work. back to them. Seeing court, dickhead. No one's suing anyone. Everyone's threatening to sue everyone. No one actually sues anyone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, the Aussie Cossack said he was going to sue bloody Jack for an article he did. Still uh, waiting. Still waiting, Simmy. That. That's what I, he's not suing anyone. A fucking idiot. Yeah. The only person's no, whole no movement has has done any suing. Everyone's threatened to sue everyone. The only person has done any suing has been my wife. The Rebel News. <laughs> She's not even in the fucking movement. Yeah, it's very hard it. to sue in this country. Extremely hard, extremely risky, and extremely expensive, and no one's fucking doing it, especially yeah. with people that are involved in wrongdoing in the first place. Last and they've got no is- fucking money anyway. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So uh, for me... I get threatened. I, I don't. So I cop the heat, and I, uh, I, you know, I go after them, and I don't let anything. You know, they go after my wife, threaten to sue me, send police to my house, yep. threaten violence against me. You know, 
go after my wife, try to ruin her career. And it doesn't matter what they do. I just keep going. I don't stop. I don't say that. Brilliant. That's relentless. Good, That's good. It's relentless, high-impact, anti-scamming activism. That's why we love scamming. you. Untenable. <laughs> well, that's why we love you, man. That's why we love you. Thanks for coming on today, Lance. That's uh, that's been amazing. I think there's a lot of very eye-opening stuff and really sobering thoughts as well. I really appreciate uh, appreciate your story and appreciate you sharing with us. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm fucking wrapped, and I will share this everywhere on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and everywhere. We'll make sure we're not just we don't mention uh, other people in this episode that you're legally not allowed to mention because they are using the courts to silence you. Yeah, don't do that because I'm going to share this. Every- and page boosted. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. See you soon. Thanks, Joel. See you, mate. Bye. Marvellous interview, Joel. And thank you, Lance, for your time and the work you do. But we will have to leave it there. All good things come to an end and all bad things come to a beginning. Mm -hmm. And that horribly twisted sentence can mean only one thing. It's time for the week. And it's been a huge one. The week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week of Pete Evans with the slightly damp, craggy face conspiracy theorist deciding that while his entire region was underwater, people are struggling to rebuild their lives. The best use of his time is definitely sharing shitty disinformation memes and regurgitating hot transphobic takes about women's sport. Mm. Good use of your time, Pete. Yeah, no, don't don't go and help. You, you stay home. You're needed there. So now to be fair to Pete, Women's sport has been a huge issue for him over the years. Really? He's publicly spoken about it. Shit, he's basically the Joe Rogan of netball. Really? No, no, he's no. not. No, he only gives a fuck about it when he can make derogatory comments about trans women. No. Only time. Only time. The thing about trans women in sport, though, is that they're okay as long as they don't win. You just can't win. Trans women are competing in sport all the fucking time, and we don't hear about it. Kiwi weightlifter Laurel Hubbard competed in the 2020 Olympics to some of the nastiest commentary we've seen. It was fucking awful awful but when she didn't win everyone kind of stopped talking about it <laughs> see trans women are allowed to compete you're just not allowed to win now we all know pete loves the beach and he's big into surfing so his yeah. sudden interest in yeah. women swimming comes as no surprise right well you can imagine how emotional he got knowing that leah thomas a trans athlete won the ncaa swimming championship oh. pete as oh. fucking usual posted some charming shit and Look, just, you know, we don't really do trigger warnings. So maybe switch off if you don't like proper transphobia. We're at the end of the episode anyway. So this one's from love and light guru and alleged sex pest, David Avocado Wolf, which simply says, I like women's sports the way I like my coffee without any dick in it. Now, oh, not only is this transphobic, nice. but it's very close-minded. Have you had a coffee with a bit of cock sprinkled in it? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that you don't like coffee with dick in it? How do you know? <laughs> You should give it a shot. Then there's a picture uh, of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber pouring laxatives into a coffee cup with Viagra photoshopped over laxative and the caption reads, me spiking the punch backstage at the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships. Now, this isn't funny or clever. It's, it's, it's just sad. It's just awful. And it yeah. just shows how much Pete is this perfect rube for right-wing parasites. Nazis slid into his DMs and he became a Holocaust denier because he's a gullible rube. He watches Tucker Carlson and he becomes this hard right cunt face. Why? Because he's a gullible rube. It's like Pete's almost the victim here, just regurgitating the shit he's presented because he lacks the critical thinking skills to understand them, but desperately wants to be the smartest man in the room and somehow influence people. Because 
because yep. he's a malignant narcissist. Pete's fascination with women's sport is going to be on the wane for a while. I'll give it a week. Trans women will continue to compete in all forms of sport, and the situation is clearly an evolving one. The debate here seems like a difficult one, but if you want to take female hormones for three years and see how fast you run, be my fucking guest. Hope you enjoy the cramps, dickhead. That's why it's not so fucking simple. Taking hormones is a roller coaster. Strap in, idiot. But I'm sure this isn't the last piece of transphobic shit we're going to see come out of this clueless pizza cook's brain. This isn't peace, love, and light, you horrible cunt. It's Not transphobic really. trash. Stay in your lane, salmon boy. Now, I'll leave this with someone who knows who's he's talking about. Erica Sullivan from Texas finished third behind Thomas in the race and summed it up nicely. Here's a quote. As a woman in sports, I can tell you that I know what the real threats to women's sports are, sexual abuse and harassment, unequal pay and resources, and a lack of women in leadership. Transgender girls and women are nowhere on this list. So with Pete's newfound interest in women's sport, maybe those issues are what Pete will focus on next. I don't no, think so. No. Not unless Tucker Carlson tells him to. No, no, can't see that happening, Joel. Can't and see you it. have been listening to the Condition Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with AK. Uh, we set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. But promoting a podcast is easier said than done. So if you would please share this episode or a past episode or just mention us in stuff. Some of you do this really well, but I'm sure if you all did it once, man, it would just skyrocket. The numbers would skyrocket. I, you know, I'd enjoy saying Yeah, it'd be very nice. Yeah, yeah, and the Patreon is up and running and we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. Yeah, for as little as five bucks a month, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content. We do a thing where we take the piss out of the soft sits. It's kind of fun. And if you give us enough money, you can also watch us record the show. Now, if we get to a thousand patrons we promise we'll buy a copy of hunter biden's hard drive image and we'll live stream the contents but if we get to two thousand we'll do it while smoking crack yeah well you know we you know we would be doing a smoking crack anyway yes but, yeah, but, well, but you know but, but at but, least you'll yeah, be able to see you'll us, be able to it. see us yeah so join up at patreon.com slash the conditional release program and finally all feedback tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com we would love to hear from you even if it's to simply inform us that we're about to be slapped on stage by pete evans for calling him a cunt over the past 80 odd episodes seems fair enough Slap me, Pete. It does seem quite reasonable. Thanks, listeners. (laughs) See you next time.